to another episode of General Conference Conversations, where we have conversations about General Conference. I'm your host, Kaylin, and I'm super excited to be here with you studying the words of Christ's chosen leaders. We're back. I'm back for another season, which is so crazy that we're, well, that we're already in May, <laughs> for one. Um, and that I, I get to do this again. I'm, I'm really excited. So we're just going to start at the very beginning from April of 2023 General Conference, which is just, it's very exciting. And um, I'm glad to be here and I'm grateful for the people who, my, my viewers, who have watched, even if you haven't watched every single episode uh, or listened that you're here and that you found me. I hope to just have really good conversations. And that's why I started all of this, if you're here for the first time. I love Come Follow Me and I love the the format of it and the, the like we, we, we study at home and then we come to church and we talk about it with each other. I have gained a lot and a, a lot of insight and I learned a lot from those discussions. I also really loved companionship study when I was a missionary. You know, we'd do our individual study and then we'd study as a companionship for like an hour. And it was always so amazing to be able to come together as a companionship. And I would say things and they'd be like, oh, I've never thought about before. And they'd say things. And I'm like, wow, I'm learning so much from you. And I I also fell in love with Come Follow Me podcasts. Um, I'm not great at like keeping up on my Come Follow Me chapters every single week. I've fallen behind a little bit, but I I really love listening to those podcasts and hearing one from people who know more than me, especially like the Old Testament <laughs> last year. I, I the culture and everything like you you learn a lot from people who are you know theologians or your Old Testament scholars or Bible scholars. And so that was really amazing. And also just other people's interpretations of things and their stories and how it resonated with them personally and things that I had never thought of before. And so I looked for something like that for general conference. And and since I started this, I've seen a couple other ones, but at the time I couldn't find any. And I might not have just been looking hard enough, but at the time I just I couldn't find any. And so I decided to start my own. <laughs> so here I am having conversations about general conference. Uh, sometimes I have guests. I haven't in a while. Sometimes I will. Other times I just, I talk about what stood out for me and kind of what I took away from the talks and things that it made me think about, questions that I had for myself that you can absolutely use in your own reflections. Um, and any other questions you may come across or you feel prompted to ask yourself as you're studying. And on that note, I always encourage my listeners, viewers, to read and or watch this talk before you come listen to me talk about it. Um, just like in Come Follow Me, it has that little, you know, record your own impressions box. I highly encourage you to do that first, to have your own impressions, to get your own revelation, um, and to 
to have your own experience with it, um, even if you've already listened to it in general conference, coming to it with fresh eyes, or at least looking back on those the notes that you made, um, or skimming it just to see if you can remember what's going on in the talk. And then hopefully I can add something from my own stories, or the questions I ask might really bring something up for you, or it might prompt you to think of a completely different question that I'm not even asking. So, so yes, first things first, please go listen to and or watch this before you come and talk to me, or you come and listen to me. <laughs> I'm all over the place today. Um, and then come back and talk with me. But I'm going to jump right in to the very first talk Saturday morning was Elder Stevenson. And of course, this was two weeks before Easter, a week before Easter. Now I'm second guessing myself. Week before Easter, right? Because it was the ninth. Um, so yes, this was a week before Easter. So we had a lot of themes of Easter. And we usually do in the April conference. I've noticed that because it usually falls around Easter or on Easter. And so... We often have a lot of Easter talk because it's on people's minds. And it's obviously very, very important holiday in our religion for us. So he starts out by talking about the first presidency letter that they sent out about Easter Sunday. And I I personally don't remember this being read in sacrament meeting. I might not have just been there that day or I wasn't paying attention, I just went right over my head. Um, but I, I, I obviously I do remember we had only one hour of church on Easter. And that was the big kind of big thing about the first president's letter, letter saying, oh, we're only gonna have one hour, we're just gonna have sacrament meeting, we're not gonna have second hour and focus on the savior, right? My word did. Um, we had one speaker who spoke for uh, maybe 10 minutes and then we had like five or six music num musical numbers that were absolutely gorgeous and so it ended up being more of a musical Sunday all focused around the Savior all focused around Easter uh, and that was the other part of the letter was to focus on the meaning of the holiday and to, you know, have traditions and celebrations, not just on the day and not just, you know, Easter egg hunts, but to really kind of get into the Easter spirit. And I've noticed that a lot and I've, <laughs> I've heard a lot of people talk about this and I think we're getting better at this. Even, um, I think it was 2020 was the, was the week I remember because I was on my mission the first first year I remember the church did a thing on uh, the library app and it was like a study guide for every day of Holy Week. So on Monday or on Sunday, Palm Sunday, it had, you know, scriptures to read, it had talks to read, it had background on that day, things like that that you could study and then each day, leave, you know, after that, this is, you'd follow the, the last week of Christ's life before crucifixion and then up till Easter. That's the first time I really remember doing that because we just as a church don't have a whole lot of like traditions around 
Easter. I mean, that's what they're trying to rectify here. They're just trying to kind of point that out, right? Um, in families, you know, each family has their own tradition. My, we always did Easter egg hunts. Obviously, we did Easter baskets when I was little. My mom always got up and made us like colored pancakes and things like that. We also had a little basket of plastic Easter eggs that was like, it was almost like an advent calendar for Christmas, but it was for Easter. I can't remember if it was just the week or if it was the whole month leading up to Easter. I don't remember how many it had, but you'd open one and it had like a scripture to read or, you know, a question asked. And so you talk about it with Easter. And it was a really good way for, you know, me as a five-year-old, <laughs> six-year-old to kind of meld the two, of like the Easter bunny and Easter eggs and like all of this stuff kind of more secular Easter celebrations with the more religious Easter traditions. Um, I also remember when I was really young, my parents sitting us down and explaining why we search for Easter eggs. Um, or at least, I guess, I don't know if it's like the, the specific reason, but like the way that they had kind of always thought of it was like you were searching for Christ because he had died. And finding Easter eggs on Easter was like resurrection. And then of course, spring and eggs and rebirth and like kind of they always talked all about that as well and so on a family level community level whatever we have easter traditions but as a church we're kind of different in the way that we celebrate easter as opposed to something like catholics who do lent and they have you know their holy week traditions they have um, a lot of churches have, and I can't remember what they're called now, but they have designated readings for each, like, holiday, each season, right? Um, so, you know, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, they have specific readings they do every year. They have specific sermons that they do every year. Leading up to Easter is the same thing. And we just don't really have that. Like, we have, we obviously, we celebrate Easter, <laughs> right and I think in the past general conference has kind of filled that because it's always so close to Easter or on Easter Sunday and so it's kind of filled in as our Easter celebrations because we're already sitting down for eight hours <laughs> to learn about Jesus um, but having those more meaningful traditions come from the top down has not really been a huge thing, at least that I've noticed in my life, and I'm sure it's changed over the years, so like, it might have been something different when I wasn't born, <laughs> I wasn't around, but I've really noticed that, that they've been trying to be more, I don't want to say more mainstream Christianity about Easter, but a little bit more mainstream Christianity, having more of an emphasis on Christ just in general as well. Um, and I'll get to this quote that he talks about this, but he kind of just talks about Elder Stevenson, uh, talks about Christmas traditions and Easter traditions and the, the differences in the way that we celebrate Christmas and Easter. And how, you know, we managed to incorporate jingle bells and Christmas stockings and gifts also, you know, along to, alongside like service projects and singing our favorite Christmas carols and reading the Christmas story in Luke 2. 
and how different that is from Easter that he says, I feel our family has relied more on going to church to provide the meaningful Christ in our part of Easter. And that's also a fair thing, right? Easter is always on a Sunday. Sunday is Christmas is not always on a Sunday. Uh, it was this year, this last year, right? Yes, <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> we went late, so I was remember, I, our ward got moved to a different time. But it was this year. Um, but it was the same thing, it was only an hour, it was just sacrament meeting. And ours, we did a, it was a musical presentation again. That's also been a big thing they've been doing the last few years, is having us just one hour on, on Christmas. But Easter is always on Sunday. And so you're already at church on a Sunday. And like I was saying, general conference is always around Easter. And so there's just kind of something like we, I feel like we have these Easter traditions, they're just not always linked specifically to Easter and to Christ and the atonement and things like that. So um, he says this, let me read my note. Um, but the first presidency letter was a wake up call. Not only did they invite all of us to make sure our celebration of the most important event to ever happen on this earth, the atonement, atonement and resurrection of Jesus Christ, includes the reverence and respect the Lord deserves, but they also gave us more time with our families and friends on Easter Sunday to do so. And of course, he's talking about having um, just an hour for a sacrament meeting, right? And he says, these words of the prophet Joseph Smith add additional context to the significance of the events surrounding Easter. The fundamental principles of our religion are the testimony of the apostles and prophets concerning Jesus Christ, that he died, was buried, and rose again the third day, and ascended into heaven, and all other things which pertain to our religion are only appendages to it. And that quote, I've heard that quote so many times in my life. It's a very oft quoted general or Joseph Smith quote, right? Um, and that's the, the, the basis and the echo of what's been pushed so hard lately. And I've talked about this in so many episodes from the very beginning of when I started this last year is putting Christ at the center of things, right? And It shouldn't be as shocking as it is. It shouldn't be as big of a it shouldn't be as big of a thing as it is. But it is putting like making sure that we are focused on Christ in everything that we do has been really big. Um, we changed our logo to the Christus picture of the Christus. Um, Come follow me, the Hear Him Initiative, FSY, the First Strength of Youth pamphlet, the Missionary Handbook, Ministering all of it right has been brought more principle based and focused on having a relationship with Jesus Christ and that's super important that's been like so so stressed lately and it is just natural that we should also be doing that on Easter right <laughs> we should be focusing on Christ on Easter and 
all other things which pertain to our religion are only appendages to Christ and his atonement. Like, that's, that's crazy. And I remember, this is also on my mission, so I can't remember which, I think it was October of 2019. It must have been October of 2019. Now I can't remember. Elder Holland gave a talk about putting Christ at the center of things. And I really, really loved it and I, at the time, and I really love it now. I haven't really read it in a while. But he talks about, it's literally what he talked about the whole time, was just putting Christ at the center of things, of our activities, of our worship, scripture study, even like word parties, like things that you maybe not always think of like being Christ-centered is that we are a Christ-centered church and so it follows and we are a Christ-centered people that it follows that everything we should be doing is Christ-centered and I think that can be be a little overwhelming sometimes at least in my brain I'm like man I have to do everything I have to be thinking about Christ every single waking moment of my life like, I don't have the brain space for that which sounds really bad <laughs> But I'm not, I'm not consciously thinking of Jesus every moment of every day, you know? Like I am doing work and I'm cleaning the house and I'm reading a book and I'm whatever, right? I'm not consciously thinking Jesus Christ over and over and over and over in my head. But taking the time, you can take the time to consciously do that to consciously think about him and taking time out of your day to stop and say, oh, thank you. You know, just breathe a little prayer. Um, but it is good to be conscious of how Christ is at the center of everything that we do in church, right? <laughs> when we're planning a lesson or planning activity. I got called to Young Women's a few weeks ago, or a few months ago now, it's been a couple months now. And you know, making sure that everything we do does have that that lens of Christ and the gospel of Christ and, you know, repentance and faith and just becoming more like him, whatever that may be. Even if we're just playing volleyball, you know, S trying to connect those dots for our girls of like, yes, it's just volleyball, but you're spending time with people. And you're making really good connections with people and having really amazing relationships with people, right? It's not just volleyball, although I love just volleyball, but like you're also becoming better at something and you're having fun and enjoying people's company. Like that is, that's Christ-like, right? I can't, I can't imagine, <laughs> this is just like popping into my head, if Christ showed up at a young woman's activity and they were playing volleyball, don't you think he would be in there playing with them? Like, I bet he'd be fantastic and he'd show everybody up, right? And he'd be so humble about it. And I just think <clears throat> it's it seems really overwhelming to try and like always be thinking of him and always have him in the front of my head, but it's doable. And everything comes back to him. Everything comes back to Christ. And comes back to the atonement okay i'm rambling and i'm only like a third of the way through the talk so i'm gonna move on 
But so he goes on to talk about how he and his wife discussed ways that they could do better during the Easter season. And, um, he specifically says, you know, how can we use the model that we use in, at Christmas around Easter? You know, what do we do at Christmas that we could also do at Easter? And You know, he talks about that, you know, we're all trying. He's like, I've seen it. I've seen growing the, the effort from members of the church to be more Christ-centered on Easter, to um, to celebrate the holidays that we don't always celebrate, like Palm Sunday and Good Friday and a more, more acknowledgement of Holy Week and things like that. He also goes on to quote uh, N.T. Wright. I think it's funny because it's just random and has absolutely nothing to do with this. But I think his he's a New Testament scholar and his name is N.T. Wright. I think that's funny. But N.T. Wright says, we should be taking steps to celebrate Easter in creative ways, in art, literature, children's games, poetry, music, dance, festivals, bells, special concerts. This is our greatest festival. Take Christmas away, and in biblical terms, you lose two chapters at the front of Matthew and Mark. Sorry, Matthew and Luke, nothing else. Take Easter away, and you don't have a New Testament. You don't have a Christianity. And I thought it was interesting. I mean, obviously, if you don't have a Christmas, you don't have Jesus. <laughs> but you don't have Easter, you don't have a religion. And I thought about this, um, there's a talk that I thought was Elder Holland, but it's actually President Hinckley. And I'll have to remember the name of it. Hold on, I looked it up. It was actually during a First Presidency Christmas devotional in 2000. The Wonders and True Story of Christmas. And I don't have the quote in front of me, but he basically says that same thing. You know, you take away Easter, we wouldn't have Christmas. Like, why would we be celebrating this random baby being born? In, in December, if when spring came along, there wasn't something even bigger to celebrate, like, there would be no point. Which sounds really harsh, but it's true, right? The only reason, not the only reason, the only reason we celebrate Christmas is because it's about Christ. And we celebrate Christ because of Easter. We celebrate because of his atonement and everything that he did. Um, but I also love, like this is an amazing quote, I love like his, his creative ways of celebrating Easter, right? Art, literature, children's games, poetry, music, dance, festivals, bells, special concerts. Like he calls it our greatest festival. Like that's so cool that, you know, we think about everything we do at Christmas, like Elder Stephen Winston was saying, what do we do at Christmas that we could do at Easter? We sing Christmas carols. We have Easter songs up the wazoo, <laughs> right? Um, the He is Risen is like Easter anthem. And we have so many amazing stories of our amazing songs about Christ, even in like the children's hymn book that I feel like we overlook sometimes. But we sing Christmas carols, we do service, I and mean, we can do service around Easter, no problem, super easy. We read like Luke 2, we read Christmas stories. My family, we read Christmas stories every Easter, 
or pfft, my gosh, every Christmas, every Christmas Eve, we sit down with hot chocolate and we have our Christmas stories that we read. Some of them are like um, Smells of Christmas, it's like, like a scratch and sniff book, or we read The Polar Express or The Night Before Christmas, and, and then we always read The Christmas Story, which is my favorite. Um, we can read, and he talks about this later, but we can read the Easter story. What's the Easter story? The resurrection of Christ, right? It's a little bit longer than just Luke 2, <laughs> but we can still read it. Uh, what else? We give gifts. We have a whole day dedicated to, you know, celebrating. People have work off. Like, there's a lot of things that we can be doing more around Easter. I didn't know this until I moved to Canada. Um, they get Easter Monday off. Well, it depends on the company. I can't remember how it is because I've only been here for a little bit. I'd have to ask my husband again, but usually you get either Good Friday or Easter Monday off. Sometimes you get both. It depends. I didn't know that Easter Monday was a thing because I don't think that's a thing in the States, at least. Not that I know of, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. I never had a job that I had like Easter Monday off. <clears throat> but technically they'd have like a four day weekend. I think I never noticed because that was when my school had spring break. We just had spring break the law for a long weekend for Easter. Anyway, off topic. But my questions that I want you to think about as I finish up the rest of this talk and also as my invitations. What ways do you and your family already celebrate Easter? And what ways can you celebrate Easter differently? If you're new here, I'm gonna... This is something that I really love to do. Figure out where, I'm, where you're already... What you're already doing. It can be really, really overwhelming to study to go to general conference, to read conference talks, to go to church and get invitation after invitation after invitation for something to do, right? You just always feel like there's more and more and more and more. Um, my, my mantra in life, work smarter, not harder. Sometimes there's more you could be doing. Sometimes you're already doing an amazing, amazing job. And sometimes you can just tweak something and just do it differently. Um, that's something I learned as a missionary a lot. Something wasn't working. It didn't mean that we needed to give up on that thing or that we needed to push harder. We just needed to change our plan. We needed to change how we were going about it. And, and it looks different day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. And so... When I was on my mission, I could study for hours and hours and hours. I can't focus like that anymore. It doesn't work for me. And I have other things, like I have other responsibilities that I need to be doing. And so my 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 scripture study, my personal study, does not look like it did as a missionary. But that's okay, because I've kind of adapted it to who I am now and how it works with my schedule. And I think that's the same thing here. Realize what you're already doing, right? You're already aware it's Easter. You're already going to church and hearing speakers or songs or whatever it may be. You're already 
going to Easter egg hunts with your kids or with your friends or with your parents or whatever, right? You're already doing things. Figure out what you're already doing. And then what can you do differently to make it more Christ-centered for you and your life? Maybe if you're going to Easter egg hunts a lot, like think about why do we do Easter egg hunts? Why Easter eggs, right? Why, why is this a thing? Research it, figure it out. And that could be like a huge connection for you. That was that's something I never forgot when my parents were talking about that. I've never forgotten that. Um, maybe, maybe you are in a musical number at church this time, right? And that preparation prepares you to be like more there on Easter, whatever it may be. Maybe it is something more. Maybe you're like, I really want to you know, study all the Holy Week scriptures leading up to Easter. Fantastic. Or I really want to prepare for general conference this year. And so I'm gonna study all the general conference talks leading up to Easter or leading up to general conferences. So I have it more in, in my brain. What's, you know, what's going on, what's happening. So it's not always something to do more. It's sometimes it's just something to do differently. So that's my two questions. What ways do you and your family already celebrate Easter? And what can you do, or what ways can you celebrate Easter differently? <clears throat> um, and then, so Elder Stevenson gives a couple of examples, really just the one. Um, the rest of his talk is really focused on scripture. Uh, the Bible and the Book of Mormon. And he talks about he, he and his wife, you know, try to think about ways they wanted to expand their family Easter celebration and what they might use to kind of be the Luke 2, right, of their, um, of their Easter celebrations. He says this, and then we had this heavenly epiphany. In addition to the important verses about Easter in the New Testament, we as Latter-day Saints are endowed with the most remarkable Easter gift, a gift of un a unique witness, another testament of the Easter miracle that contains perhaps the most magnificent Easter scriptures in all of Christianity. I am referring, of course, to the Book of Mormon, and more specifically to the account of Jesus Christ appearing to inhabitants in a new world in his resurrected glory. And he goes on to talk about 3 Nephi 11, which is when Christ appears and invites all the people to come and touch the, the scars in his hands, right? And feet. And I, I don't think I'd ever connected that before, which is weird, right? <laughs> I mean, I've connected it of this is the resurrected Christ. But it feels so separate from the Bible sometimes. Of like, oh yeah, the first Easter was when you know, Mary found the tomb empty and ran to tell people that he was gone, or you know, that he was resurrected and Christ showed himself to her, right? That's the first Easter. And it is, but so is this, right? It's just a different part of the world. And it's still another, it's a testament of his resurrection because he's got the scars in his hands and he's literally saying you know i am resurrected christ and 
I've come just as all your prophets have foretold, here I am. And that's a big deal, right? That's the whole like whole buildup of the entire Book of Mormon. All up to, you know, his birth and then his resurrection 30 years later, right? All of these prophets having interactions with the Lord, having interactions with God, and knowing that someday he would come, even though he hadn't yet. And prophesying of him and living life in the way that in a way that said he had already come even though he hadn't right all of these things culminating in third nephi 11 so the climax of the book of mormon right so he says his family is going to focus on the first 17 verses of third nephi 11 and he quotes some of it of Christ's invitation for everybody to come and feel the prints of the nails in his hands and feet and everybody being so exceedingly glad exceedingly glad that's such that's such a scripture anyway being so excited for him to be there and having the time to go and like he ministered unto them one by one it's just so crazy and then he invites us to look at the book of Mormon in a new light and consider the profound witness that bears the reality of the risen Christ. And Anne goes on to talk about like that the Book of Mormon literally is a New Testament of Jesus Christ. And I didn't know this until my mission, which I think is funny, that now on the Book of Mormon, on our like copies, it says the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ, right? that wasn't always on there and um I didn't also didn't make the connection until I was on my mission that we have the old testament we have the new testament and we have another testament right which I thought was interesting that I didn't think I'd never like I never really put that together but he goes on to talk about the Gorman talks testifies Christ and he tells a story about his friend um, who had passed away. She was rather young um, and as they were at the funeral, his wife went to talk to their her her nephew or sorry, her nieces. I was trying to figure out how they were related. And asked how they were doing and they both you know showed they were sad but they knew that their aunt was with Jesus and he talks about you know how even young they found peace in the plan of happiness and they testified of resurrection and of the Savior and I thought that was a really sweet story because especially that he acknowledged their sadness. I feel like sometimes we want to comfort people, right? We want to comfort people who are grieving, who are having a hard time, and we immediately jump to, oh, well, you'll see them again, right? Plan of salvation, plan of happiness. And it all work out in the end and eternity and like all this stuff, right? It's okay to grieve. 
it's okay to be really, really sad that you're not gonna, like, you're not gonna be seeing them for a while, right? And especially for our mortal beings, we cannot comprehend eternity. And so even though we believe so hard, we feel it in our hearts that we're gonna see them again, the reality in front of us is that we don't see them right now. And it's okay to be really, really sad. It's also okay to be upset when things don't work out the way they're supposed to. And um, So I think it's important also to make sure that we validate our own feelings and we validate other people's feelings. Like, it's okay to be really sad. It's okay to be really mad that something's not happening as long as we have that peace and that faith that it will turn out okay because God loves you. So he he then goes on to talk about President Nelson and <clears throat> excuse me some things he's noticed about him. He says, I have observed that when President Russell M. Nelson gives a gift of the Book of Mormon to someone not of our faith, including world leaders, he often turns to Third Nephi and reads about the appearance of the resurrected Christ the Nephites. Excuse me. In doing so, the living prophet is in essence bearing witness of the living Christ. We cannot stand as witnesses of Jesus Christ until we can bear witness of him. The Book of Mormon is another witness of Jesus Christ because throughout its sacred pages, one prophet after another testifies not only that Christ would come, but that he did come. And I think that's a beautiful... And that's what I was just saying, right? All prophet after prophet testified that he would come and that he did come. And I've noticed that with President Nelson too. There's been a lot of stories, I feel like. I can't remember who I'm thinking of specifically. But I feel like there's a lot of stories about President Nelson giving books of copies of the Book of Mormon to people. Especially to world leaders that he meets or that come to Salt Lake and meet him, right? And... That he often turns to the third Nephi and says, you know, this is our testament of Christ. That you know, he came to the new world as well. Like, he came to the Western Hemisphere as well. I think that's really beautiful. That's something that people can hold on to. You know, the rest of the Book of Mormon, it's not all that different from the Bible. I mean, it's different in that it's a different culture and a different place. But it's that one unifying thing that we are christian that we believe in christ that we have another testament of him that's what the book of mormon is about it's about him and his atonement and resurrection so so yes so and he talks about he had a, a copy of the book of mormon first edition and how grateful he was about Joseph Smith putting the work in to have it translated and published and the miracles that that went into that and he shares his testimony of the Book of Mormon and also of, of Christ and his resurrection and he says this kind of in closing, not really in closing, but one of the last things he says I think is, is really beautiful. 
he's talking about the Book of Mormon still here. <clears throat> he says, no book does more to show that because of Jesus Christ, everything changed. Because of him, everything's better. Because of him, life is manageable, especially in painful moments. Because of him, everything is possible. And that was really, I don't know, I also just thought of the Because of Him videos they had a few years ago. <laughs> they had, I feel like they've had like five of them, but all of the, the things that are because of Christ, the things that we have because of Him. And that He really is the center of all of it and that Easter is the reason, right? That's kind of all I have for the talk. But the questions again are. Nope, nope, I lost them. Here we go. What ways do you and your family already celebrate Easter? And what ways can you celebrate Easter differently? And then, as further reading, do, do, do. so there's a book where he quoted N.T. Wright. Um, is in one of his footnotes. And then The Wonders and Two Story of Christmas by President Hinckley, which is the December 2000 First Presidency Christmas devotional. And then Third Nephi 11 as well. And I'm going to put in here, um, I'm going to find Elder Holland's talk <clears throat> about putting Christ at the center because talked about it um and let's see anyway i will find it <laughs> and put it in the show notes because i think that's a really amazing talk as well and i think it goes along really well with everything that we talked about in this talk in this episode and also Honestly, the Because of Him video, if you can watch that, it's really beautiful and it makes me cry every time. Just like typing Because of Him video on the church website. Um, I think it's also on the library, but I wouldn't be able to tell you how to get there because they've rearranged things so many times. But okay, I'm gonna, I'll find it later. <laughs> anyway. That's all I've got for you today. Um, but thank you so much for listening and or watching this episode of General Conference Conversation. And be sure to like, share, follow me, subscribe, comment. I love hearing from people. I do want this to be a conversation. I love hearing your guys' thoughts and um, stories and everything like that. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram uh, if you want to like keep up. I always announce when new episodes are out or uh, you can subscribe here on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify so you can also stay updated that way. Um, and yeah, I'll talk to you next time.